Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. Welcome to the Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. And I'm Don Pravda. Welcome. Today, we're very happy to announce that we are going to be interviewing the author of the book Harpoon, Nitsana Darshan Leitner. A great author, an international lawyer, extraordinarily accomplished woman from Israel, and proudly our guest. And we're the lucky ones to have her on our show. After this interview, you are going to want a copy of her book, which is phenomenal. And we are very pleased to now bring on Nitsana, who in our eyes is a giant. Hi, Nitsana. We're so honored to have you today. Shalom Aleichem. Thank you, thank you. Shalom, shalom. You are a giant. And the book Harpoon is fantastic. Thank you I very much. I had no idea when you read that book, you really see that what goes on in Israel is so different than what the media presents. And also right. I've seen some of your YouTube videos and that's what you're stating on your videos as well. Right. Well, the media covers what they want to cover, right. especially the international media or the, the ones who are in favor of one side of the conflict. And uh, a lot of things going on here in Israel are not reported, even in these days, that simply are not known to the public outside. No, Wait. not at all. And it seems that the, the agreements that are being made are almost a smokescreen to the greed that was presented in your book. Not only the greed, but the evil, diabolical aims of those Wait. groups and also, I think the thing that stood out in Harpoon is the suffering of the Israeli people under the horrific terrorist acts. We have a very leftist media here in the United States. Even in our, my hometown of New York, not everybody's on the same page at all. And uh, there are those who are bemoaning the times when labor was totally in charge in those good old days. So. It's a remarkable story, and I, I'd have to say, in between all this, I said six children. <laughs> How do what you do this? Yeah, <laughs> people so, think fighting terrorism is easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the status of your work now? Um, so, right now, we are uh, continue the fight on behalf of the state of Israel fighting terrorism in court fighting them in the UN, fighting them in the International Criminal Court. We represent hundreds of terror victims in lawsuits um, and legal actions against the uh, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, PLO, Palestine Authority, Iran, Syria, North Korea, against banks that provide financial services to organizations like Arab banks, European banks, uh, Lebanese banks, Chinese banks, and against social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google, that owns YouTube for aiding and abetting terrorism. Our fight is undetermined, unconditioned, and we are seeking just justice for the terror victims. I noticed that at the end of the book, it opens almost to another book when it talked about social media. 
What are some of the strides that have been made now in social media against terrorists? Our fight against social media began in 2015 when the 955 broke in Israel. These uh, Palestinians that simply grabbing knives and go and kill Jews on the streets, in gas stations, in the malls, everywhere. And when you wonder what bring these young Palestinians, most of them were teenagers, to go to their mother's kitchen, grab a knife and go and kill a Jew, you realize that they are incited to kill, incitement that goes on the social media, mainly on Facebook. Facebook was the most popular social media network among the Palestinians, to the extent that Prime Minister Netanyahu called this wave of terrorism the Facebook Intifada. Wow. And then they asked Facebook to turn this assignment down. Facebook refused. They said they were only a neutral bulletin board. They are not involved with the users or with the content, and they have no intention to take the incitement down. So we took Facebook to court. We filed a lawsuit against Facebook in the federal court in New York on behalf of terror victims that were killed or injured in Israel in the night intifada. Um, but uh, Facebook uh, had a defense. They claim that Section 230 to the Communication Decency Act grants them blanket immunity and they cannot be sued in court. This is a law that does not recognize social media networks as publishers and therefore they are not liable for any content that is posted on their platforms by a third party. Meaning everybody can do anything they want on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, put any posts, any videos, and these giants will be immune. Now, this is according um, to New York law, right? Not a, because the European federal Union... Co federal law. Okay, because the European law. Union has its Digital Services Act, which does hold them accountable as publishers. Has Is that a possible route for lawsuits is through the European Union's Digital Services Act. They've brought some of these tech giants to court and they've issued some horrific fines. Is that another route? Maybe not US law. Right. But... So if you want to bring your cases utilizing the European law, you have to bring them in European countries, in France, in, uh, in Germany. And uh, we prefer to uh, have our cases mainly in the United States and Israel for various reasons. Um, one, we would like uh, a non-biased court or non-hostile um, court. We know that in the United States, in Israel, we'll get a fair court. Although there might be some constraints, political constraints or political interests uh, that can accompany these cases. Some judges will see it as a struggle between the Jews to the Arabs, um, but some will just go by evidence. This will happen in Israel and the United States, will not happen in Europe. Second, Europe, uh, European proceedings are very costly. You have to pay lawyers uh, hourly fees, and we don't pay attorneys fees. We are a non-profit. Rotterdam is an organization, an NGO that does not have the capabilities to pay attorneys fees. We all work on contingency basis. Uh, 
Um, and uh, European lawyers do not agree to work on contingency or pro bono. And also you have to pay uh, bonds and cover the expenses of the other side. It can reach hundreds of thousands of dollars, which we cannot afford. So we so have to clear the cases. through the New York courts. It's uh, tragic that they don't have are not holding the Facebook and Twitter as publishers and are allowing these terrorists. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. I'm shocked to hear that. Indeed. So so and and true. I mean, we try to convince the court and tell them it's not really about content. I don't care what Hamas puts on their pages. They can put flowers and butterflies and say that the IDF is the most moral military in the world. The mere fact that Hamas has a Facebook page is a violation of the Anti-Terrorism Act that prohibits any American company to provide any sort of services to a designated organization. And this imposes criminal and civil liability on those who break the Anti-Terrorism Act. But the court did not side with us and dismissed the case. Um, and we went and filed other cases against Twitter, against YouTube, Google. We lost the cases. And then we decided that terrorism is not a, an Israeli problem. It's a global problem. And we went and filed lawsuits on behalf of ISIS victims, people that were killed in the Paris attack, in the Istanbul attack, in the Brussels attack. One of them was Gonzalez versus Google. Gonzalez was, uh, Naomi Gonzalez was 24 years old student, uh, Mexican-American girl that uh, received a scholarship to go and study a semester abroad in Paris. And she went and sat in the cafe where ISIS carried out this horrible terror attack in the concert of the death metal. And she was uh, killed as a result of the shooting attacks there. We brought the case against Google that owns YouTube because YouTube provided ISIS with a platform to screen all their beheading videos, which in the end of them recruited people to join ISIS. They allow ISIS to spread their propaganda through these videos to recruit militants, to have people join them, people from Australia, from neglected places in the world to know about the opportunity to join ISIS. And not only that, ISIS, YouTube actually pushed ISIS videos because they were so viral. The algorithm of YouTube worked in a way that if your video is very popular, it will be recommended to others to watch it as well. And uh, so it happened to be that uh, YouTube provided ISIS with a services which was essential in their operation. We lost that the case. Shocking, I thought that YouTube didn't allow that kind of violence. I know that there was a uh, iLeak, there was a, it was iLeak, and ISIS was using that platform because you could put anything on that platform, but YouTube was actually allowing the violence on their channel? Yes, yes, and they did not care. They didn't care because nothing would happen to them. Nobody can sue them in court. 
Nobody can impose criminal liability on them, not civil liability. They are immune. And therefore, they, they're not, not only recommended these videos, they also made money. You know, when, when YouTube has a popular video, a lot of people can put ads on it or the algorithm work in a way mm -hmm. that before each and every video you have ads. And Google shares the profits from these ads for the publisher and him himself. So they actually made money. The whole model business of, of YouTube based on content, based on recommendations, based on making money from ads on popular videos. And that's what happened between YouTube ISIS. However, as I said before, we lost the case. The court did not side with mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Section 230. We so what was your next plan of action? What was the so plan I'll tell B? You. I'm very curious as to what was the plan <laughs> B when that failed, because your your organization is very sophisticated. That, of course, comes through in the book of the sophistication. So what was the plan B? So I'll tell you, um, we did not give up on this specific case. We went to the Supreme Court, and for the first time, the Supreme Court agreed to hear our case for the first time from the days of the internet, the Supreme Court agreed to examine the question of the immunity of the social media giants. Heyman said, perhaps it's time to change the law. Perhaps section 230 that was enacted 25 years ago is not valid anymore because they should not be immune from content if they use content to make their profits. They show that they have algorithm that control content, that they have a control over content, that they monitor content, they cannot be simply immune from content. We had the hearing two weeks ago, and um, uh, I hope that the Supreme Court will actually this time revisit Section 230 and strip the social media giants from their immunity find them accountable for the damages that the terror organizations are causing. That's a great victory that you had a couple of weeks ago. That's exciting. We're going to want to hear more. Do you have any pending lawsuits in New York at this time? Yes, we have uh, a huge major lawsuit against Qatari banks. The, mm. uh, we know that right. Qatar funds every terror organization on earth, right? Somebody call it the ATM of the terror organizations. Right. Correct. And uh, and we have a lawsuit going on against the Qatari National Bank and other banks in Qatar and the Qatar Foundation, which gives mm -hmm. money to the terror organizations in uh, in Israel, in Gaza, yeah. and elsewhere. Yeah. And we have other lawsuits against other banks still pending in the federal court. We have lawsuits against the Palestinian Authority um, that uh, we won already back in 2015, a judgment that we received against the Palestinian Authority for $655 million on behalf of terror victims that were killed in the first years of the Intifada in Israel, but uh, was uh, overturned in appeal oh. based on oh. personal jurisdiction. Um, no, so you're able to collect these judgments over the years successfully? Yes, 
Yes, we received $2 billion in judgment so far, and we were able to collect $400 million that went to the hands of the terror victims. Oh, that's wow, great. That's so that is great. Amazing. I have another question. When you read your book, you see that what's going on on the ground is so different than what you're reading in the media. It makes it appear that both the United States, European Union, Troika, whatever, these peace processes, it makes it appear that it's almost feel-good legislation on the part of these governments, these big entities, European Union, US, versus what's really happening. What would you say if you could speak to those leaders? What would you say to them? What input would you have concerning these initiatives. And in, in the book, it even talked about as Oslo was going on, what was really going on on the ground and what was really going on with Arafat. What would your statement be to these leaders? Of what would you like them to know? Look, money is the oxygen to terrorism. Yes. Money drives everything. If you want to choke off the terrorism, you have to chalk off the pipeline of the money, of the oxygen. You have to fight the infrastructure of the terrorizations. Not enough to kill the terrorists. It's not enough to demolish their houses. It's not enough even to deport them out of the country. If you really want to unroot terror, you have to destroy it's infrastructure. And this is only by going after their money. You can take ISIS, for example. When ISIS rise to the extent that it became a fear, um, a scary organization that everybody was so fearful of and nobody knew how to treat it, how to eliminate it, how to tackle it. United States went and bombed the first thing, their bases. In Iraq, in Syria, they drop down bombs and they try to destroy the places where uh, ISIS uh, fighters were gathering and planning to carry out attacks. They think no, it did not help. It did not help. ISIS went on and on and on until the United States received a wise advice from Mayor Dagan the legendary head of the Mossad in Israel, they told them that if you want to kill ISIS, kill their money. And they went and fired, bombed into their oil fields, into the oil fields of ISIS, where they make their money. At the time, ISIS controlled hundreds of dunams of oil fields where they created oil, sell them everywhere, to Syria, to Iraq, to Jordan, and make hundreds of millions of dollars. Once these fields were destroyed, they didn't have any income anymore. They could not pay their militants, they cannot provide them with salaries, they cannot provide them with food, with services, with anything in this, this big Islamic state. And now you don't hear about ISIS organization. Wow. This is the way to fight terrorism. It's probably through sanction policy. Uh, of, of course, of course. Yeah, look at Iran. Look at Iran. The only way that Obama's administration was able to bring Iran on its knees and to get into the agreement, and I'm not uh, making an opinion on the agreement itself, but the mere fact that Iran agreed to go into negotiation 
with United States and Europe is because of the sanctions. Just because of the sanctions. And even now, when they went back to the negotiation table, it didn't work. But because the sanctions. When you want, when, when Israel wanted to fight Hezbollah in the Second Lebanese War, uh, the, one of the things Israel did was bombing the banks in Lebanon because they held Hezbollah's money in cash and they destroyed Hezbollah. And they came to Israel and asked for a ceasefire. That's that's the only way. Don't give them bribe. Don't pay them bachish. Don't think that money can buy you some days of quiet. That's not what it is. Sometimes you see even Israel mistakenly allowing Hamas to get money because they want some quiet in the border. You see uh, defense ministers gave the Palestinian Authority hundreds of millions of shekels uh, loans because they believe that this will buy them some quiet. You may feed a beast and you may give them money just to buy you some days of quiet, but in the end they will go and turn over on you. My advice to the governor and the governments in Israel is simply cut the funding. Nobody can work without funding. Nobody can do anything without money. It was also interesting in the book, the chapter on greed. I was shocked actually when I read about how these very religious, you know, the, the ideology of course is very religious and yet they're taking the money that should go to the people and they're living this not just exorbitant lifestyle, but a lifestyle that goes against everything that's taught, a decadent lifestyle, let's put it that way. And I thought that was a really good point in the book. And it was another, another thing that the book exposed of what's really going on versus the impression people have through the media. Indeed, people think that terrorists are living in a poor state. Uh, they have no money there. So uh, they're living in misery. Uh, but uh, this, this is true for the population under the terrorists. The terrorists themselves living very lavishly. They have houses. They have big castles on the beach in Gaza. They have yachts and they have cars and they go abroad and they living the life. The one who are really depressed is the population. But this is really the what what makes the uh, terrorists keep going. Um, in one of the times that there was a, a fight with uh, Gaza, um, the cabinet uh, suggested perhaps just to destroy the houses of the leaders of Hamas in Gaza to make them pay, to punish them, um, showing that there are targets, real targets that, the, uh, that you can hit and, and hurt the uh, leaders of the uh, terrorists. Unfortunately, this is what's going on. I'm impressed that you were, had a personal friendship with Mayor Dagan, and you knew him very well. To me, see, I'm in New York. This is like a, a legend, and you knew him, and you had uh, all this time to spend. And you know, for us, it's a great hero, a great man, Godot. He is. Uh, he was. He was a great. What a story! And you got to know him well. Do do you do you 
offer any interviews in like the Jewish media in, in the United States? Or you generally try and keep very quiet? No, I'm I'm open for interviews. And I'm, no, I, I think I think okay. we should uh, I think we should have uh, a media cover the activities of Shuravadin. In the end, uh, our goal is to deter the uh, the world, our the support the terrorism, uh, and uh, you know a tree that falls in the, in the forest doesn't make noise. Right. Our legal actions, if they don't make noise, don't scare anyone, don't deter anyone. So we are very much in favor of it. I view you as her. She's a giant. Absolutely. You're a giant yeah. in that world. I mean, she's a godolet, obviously. I mean, you're working with Israeli intelligence. You're They sought you out because of what you were doing. I mean, this is like right out of a movie, Absolutely. this story. Well, uh, I'll give you a spoiler. We talk, we are preparing a TV series about her. <laughs> really? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's very when exciting. Is the, when is the a, series a going? Series we'll see, we'll yeah. see. Right now it's in the works. Yeah, but it's a thriller. I, I wouldn't say it like that. It's like um, people read it and it's really riveting and... Uh, it's a truth story, absolutely. Um, it's reality in Israel, but it's reality all over the world. And yes, there are ways, sophisticated ways, non-violent ways to fight the enemies. And this is what Harpoon is all about, is to follow the money, target the money, kill the money of your enemy. But I did also get that aspect of the book that this should be a movie. Sure, and it's the stories of the, some of the assassinations. I mean, just brilliant. The brilliance of the Mossad. The so maybe there'll be a story about you. There is the your series. Colleagues, yeah. The series. So tell us more about and, the series. And gone uh, very little. Well, see, content. it's it's really a, it's really the works now. Um, in Israel, and, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be in the United States, yes, oh. in the United States, and it's just, it's you know um, something that can teach uh, the public about uh, innovating ways uh, to fight terrorism, and there will be chapters of um, different operations, different acts of the special unit Harpoon. How they target the wow! The money. That sounds exciting. Amazing. Um, the other piece that's very important about your work is that it it really opens somebody's eyes to what's really going on within the nation because there's a lot of misconceptions, and you address that on your YouTube channel. What the media is not reporting, and I think it's very important because Israel really has so many enemies. And you see this in your book and the extent that they go. I mean, it's just horrific. The story, the tragedies that are also written about in your book, the senseless murders of, I mean, it's just um, eye-opening. So I think that series is also going to be very eye-opening. It will be. It will be. It will tell the stories of the victims as well. Now, do you know when it's going to be completed? Or? No. <laughs> okay. okay. This is exciting. We have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in the works and you're working with probably producer. We'd love and, to help you in New York and 
I have family in Los Angeles. Okay. okay. And always good. Some friends in Hollywood. You're, okay. <laughs> yeah, but and, that sounds very exciting. You might have heard this. Some some people in Hollywood are Jewish. You may have heard this. I may have, yes, okay. I did. <laughs> so okay. this is this is very exciting. I'm involved with two major synagogues in Manhattan. One major synagogue on the east side yes. of Manhattan, and there's another one that's now headed by the former chief rabbi of Russia, is now in Manhattan, and he's drawing a remarkable crowd. They'd love to have you, and his wife teaches every Shabbat, and uh, I know they'd be jumping up and down if you ever would speak in New York. So I'll be very happy. Perhaps we can communicate the email and uh, maybe we can arrange some uh, speaking events there. Okay, well, it looks like our time is now up. We thank you so much. We are so honored to have you. And we thank look you very forward much. to, we're going to have you again. And thank you very much. Very busy now because yes, you must be so busy she's though. She's preparing for Pesach now and all the children yeah. and the families. So. Well, thank yes, you for everything. You're, you're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. So be sure, folks, to get a copy of Harpoon. This is the name of the mission, and you're definitely going to want to read. This is an eye-opener and will give you a lot of great information. The link below to our Amazon store, and you can purchase this directly in our Amazon store. Meanwhile... Be sure to subscribe to our channel and Don, any final words? We will continue to bring you cutting edge commentary and leaders like our, our special guest, Ms. Leitner. Tune in, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And if you're preparing for Passover, I wish you a lot of luck and success and a happy, as we say, good Pesach. from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.